0: What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to NerdWide Podcast. This is episode 28, and I'm your host, the one and only Tyler Haynes. And of course, right here beside me is the Madden legend. Yes, the MLB, the show, the game was made after. This is a Mr. Chris Rivers. Hello, you there?
1: How's it going, Tyler? Oh, it's,
0: it's going well, man. It, it's, it's going well. It's uh It's been a... Uh, two weeks since we've recorded. Uh, the last week was on me. It was Memorial Day, of course. And we were going to record, uh, but I uh, either one, A, over, or <laughs> one, or A, over 8, or two, or B, just ate the wrong kind of foods and upset my stomach horrendously. And we weren't able to record during our windows. So that is on me, and I apologize. Uh, but you can still you can still send all your hate mail to Chris, um, and he'll just take it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I just delete that. Yeah, just delete it. Oh, don't know this number. <laughs> But guys, this is the NerdWide Podcast. Like I said earlier, this is episode 28. And of course, if you enjoy this show, don't forget to subscribe to either our YouTube or podcasting services of your choice. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave a thumbs up or give us a good rating on podcasting apps if you're on the audio side. If you don't enjoy what you see or hear, make sure you leave us a comment and let us know how we can improve the show. If you want to do more, as always, you go to patreon.com slash nerdwide. Wide, of course, uh, audio listeners could not see my hand slash through the camera. No. But Chris, I don't want to catch up. We've got so much to talk about, we'll catch up as we go. I want to start in with what I'm you've been watching. Uh, I, I,
1: with work still being a little bit crazy, I didn't get to watch a ton of stuff. Um, I watched what we had planned to watch. I did watch uh, on the YouTube channel Nick 930. Mm-hmm. I watched his history of Grand Theft Auto documentary. Um it runs I want to say it's a little over 2 hours. It's not bad. But he he goes back to the very start of what became what ultimately became Rockstar. Um all the way into the the latest the latest game and the online multiplayer.
0: The the thing that has still to this day taken over the world and continues yeah. to stay in the top ten purchases of yeah. all time. Yeah.
1: It's it's very good. I mean, I'd recommend everybody give it a watch. Have sure. you
0: ever watched or heard of No Clip on YouTube? No. So Danny O'Dwyer and I forget his co host and I'm so bad about that. But they do a documentary style of video game companies and games like the one that I got in on was Rocket League and how it's like they go to the publishers and developers and they interview everybody and they do They do a real good job with it that's what his his passion and dream was is document uh, document documentate. What my, documentaries Documentary. Lord, thank you Jesus I'm already starting off on a good note and like he's done uh, <laughs> Arcane Studios with Dishonored 1 and 2 he's done Rocket League They've done, I think they're done Outer Worlds. They've done a bunch of different studios, and they do a real good job with it. And God of War's got one that Sony funded as well. It's really good if you're into those. Really. Now, Chris, thank you for asking. Are- I have watched a lot these past two weeks, as you know. Yeah. I, as I, I work, I put up on one screen work. I were explaining this a couple weeks ago. And on this screen, I watch TV. And let me tell you. Uh, I have watched a lot. We're going to start off with Black Lightning. I know last time we recorded, I uh, was like halfway through the episode I was on. Finished it. I'm excited for the final season. I'm debating on, see if it's all on CW, or I could just watch it even with ads, just see if I can watch through them. Um, I finished Supergirl. That, that season, same thing uh, with their episodes. They just started, so I could definitely catch up on it with their last season. In this most recent season and did kind of like flash did where some things wrapped up, but not really. And I'm not sure if it's the same thing as a flash as they wrapped everything. The true finale wasn't until like three episodes in or what, but it felt like one, but didn't really feel like one of their strong finales. So I'm not really sure. I need to look into that one more finished legends of tomorrow. Still coming in as one of my favorite CW shows they just the cast and ensemble on there. They do such a great job. The writers are so funny, and they just, they just get it. And then I watched another CW show that did not I did not expect to enjoy as much as I did, and that is CW Stargirl. Of course, uh, season two they entered the Arrowverse somehow. We know that for as they put a promo image out of all the crossover that's going to be on there, and she's there. And I thoroughly enjoyed that show. They've got Luke Wilson. There, I've always enjoyed him as an actor, he's the stepdad. And I like, I text you and I said it reminded me a lot of Smallville and that, and a lot of the aspects of it. And it was real fun, the finale was really well done. Um, Joel McHale is in the show and he plays Star Boy, he's like in the very first episode. And you know, it's not a spoiler, but he dies. And or does he? Anyways, it's and it's weird watching him as a superhero, because I just I binge Community all the time. It's what plays when I'm going to sleep at night, and so it's kind of weird to see him as a superhero and think of him. But going in the Justice Society of America, the my first, I guess, knowledge or you know, seeing them at all was during Smallville. And so a lot of my knowledge is only from that. So it was really cool learning about all these new heroes and all this society and all these new villains and everything. It's it's a real good show. I recommend everybody to watch it. It's on HBO Max. I don't know if I'm going to touch Batwoman or not. It's just, I mean, I'm sure I will, but I'm already two seasons behind on that one. So... If you do, ask permission first. Of course. uh, You always have to ask permission first. And then we're not done with the shows, okay? We're going to keep going. No? Lucifer. Season 5.2 came out. Uh, My wife and I binged that in a weekend. Yeah, there was, I think, six new episodes. Finished them all. Yeah. And I am absolutely in love with that show. I hate that season six is going to be its last one. And I just, I'm not ready for that show to end. Of course, they're done filming it now, but it's still got to go their post and I'm sure that will be like an early huh. next year drop and then I'm not done I've got one more and then of course Ragnarok um, the Norwegian show that everything is in Norwegian and I had all the subtitles on fantastic season 2 was great um, I think I like season 1 a little bit better but season 2 the way that this show brings Norse mythology into modern times and makes it make sense is so good Oh, it's it's really well done, and that's all I've watched besides our our normal stuff. If you could believe it, that's all. Yeah, that, that's it. Just nothing big.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, out of all those, what's the uh, what's the must watch? Mm. If you had to put one above the other,
0: so Ragnarok is like a cult classic. I wouldn't put that up there. Black Lightning was good. Uh, still not one of my favorite CW shows. Although I, I love, 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 love that show. Uh Supergirl's okay. Mm, to me, it's between Legends of Tomorrow, Lucifer, and Stargirl. Girl. Mm, I want to, I want to say Lucifer out of those. There's just something truly special about yeah. that one. And 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 God was in the this last half of the series. Uh, N.S. S. Haysbert. Yeah, and he did such a good job, and I, I just really enjoyed what that show brings. I mean, technically, it's a it's in the Arrowverse as well, because he was in Crisis of Infinite Earths. So technically, it's a CW show. That's all I'm saying. Even if it's on Netflix. Uh,
1: I, I know you mentioned Legends, and uh, we always have both love that show and, and love the sense of humor and, and just the the chemistry. It seems that, because Phil Clemmer's involved with that show, right? Mm-hmm. I can't remember if he's showrunner or, I can't remember who the showrunner is, but because he was on
0: Chuck. Right.
1: And that might be why. There's like, mm-hmm. like a very similar vibe. Yeah. So.
0: And they do, yeah. Do... The way that they call things out and semi-break the fourth wall is some of the funniest stuff. Like they said, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is a bottle episode, isn't it? Like just just the stuff that they do, is so funny. And I just, like they even, um, I mean, Lucifer called out the whole Fox thing. It was, they did a good yeah. job with it. I mean, like, Legends, they just, like, oh God, it's another crossover. Did we miss the crossover again? It's so, like the way that they tie it all, it's just, it's so well done. I just I really enjoyed and i I missed these shows and I can see where cause the actual uh, Dominic Purcell, you know he's and talks to me leaving after this next season. I could see where they would write him out based off of some of the events that happened in this season and but I mean, we don't besides him and uh, uh there's like two others still so you got Sarah and uh, miss Steele. So, I mean, yeah. they'll be the only ones left of the main crew. But the crew that they've got now, I am having fun with. And it's just, they're fun. It's not like they're just forced people in there that doesn't make sense to the show just to have, you know, butts in the seats. But it's it's fun to, mm-hmm. they all make sense. They all come with their own stories. They delve in and out throughout it. Oh, this was the season where uh, Ray Palmer left. And to watch him and Nate, how their relationship evolved and handled it and, I I already forgot that happened. It was beautiful. I mean, uh, Neil McDonough was in a couple episodes. It's just fun. I just just enjoy that show. But that's not why you guys are here. What we have to talk about, we've got two episodes of Superman and Lois, and we are going to do it a hero craving style. So let's get right into it with our first episode of Superman and Lois, season one, episode seven. Main of Steel, and a little fun fact this was directed by our new Green Lantern, of course, David Ramsey. So he is obviously not leaving the CW verse anytime soon, and this should kind of prove it. But I did think that was actually kind of awesome that he directed an episode and they allowed him to do that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, yeah, let's get right in with the recap here. Again, this is episode seven, Main of Steel. Clark and Jordan arrive in the fortress, and we officially find out he has super hearing. Same as Superman. So now he has to wear noise-canceling headphones to help. Again, these notes were written in two weeks ago. So if I, don't, if I miss my train of thoughts, there's a reason. I guess is the way I'd say it. So we start with Lana and the Lois partnership, with Lana asking what she needs to do. Lois finds out that Luther is lying and becomes more curious. turns out that Edge and Leslie are looking into Luther as well you know, plot twist. This is, a, we'll get some fun stuff with these two episodes. Meanwhile, Jordan and Clark start training for super hearing with a drippy faucet, which would drive anybody mad. Even if they have superhero or not, I d- you know, whatever. I thought this was a, the way they use noise canceling headphones. I thought were really well done. They, the way the, the actors, um, I forget his name. I'm always going to forget the, the two camp boys. Anyways, the way that his acting, Jordan and yeah, I mean the the, the actors' names. Uh, one's name is Elias. <laughs> and one's name is actually Jordan. Anyways, the the way he his emotions played through when he heard something like it was you could physically see the pain in his face whenever like you hear these drips, or later when he would just take them off and you hear sirens, you hear people talking. It was it was awesome the way they did that. Anywho's in. Turns out Luther and Lois had a kid in the other world. And we see another glimpse of Black Suit Superman. Of course, it was made big with Zack Snyder's Black Suit Superman. And we see it in this interaction with Tyler Hecklin. And I love, love Tyler Hecklin. Anyways. And we see other Kryptonians in this city that are flying around and absolutely destroying the city. We can see where Luther here is is. We see his backstory. story. This is what Man of Steel was about more so was his backstory and how we got to this point. So we see Jordan trying to hone in his powers again, this time with the clock in the living room, of course, and fails with that. It's just a second attempt and just it's a lot here. Here's the ticking and then just loses control of it again. This is hard. I couldn't even imagine doing something like this while super hearing. I'll take it, but I couldn't imagine doing it. Uh, Lois and Luther go out and Lois tries to nail down the truth while Clark breaks into the mobile home and his Alexa drone calls out for Captain Luther. Making sure my echo didn't go off. I don't know why I put her name down. (laughs) Lois gets called away due to activity going in on the mines. and turns out Luther doesn't know Superman's identity. So we see him go into the, the RV van as Clark and he comes out and even his little AI device did not even know that Clark Kent is Superman and we find out later that you know he doesn't know anything besides his own weaknesses uh, so Luther makes a roadblock for a convoy that is transporting X kryptonite is what we're calling the yellow kryptonite here that Clark and Lois are tailing I thought this was a really cool scene because we he sees it very far out did we I know he has x-ray vision but did we know he had supervision like that I don't know if we've ever seen Superman doing that before he might have, but it's just this is my first time thinking of it. Yeah. So, anyways, the really cool scene where we see they're driving on a straight road because it's Kansas, of course. And we see. <laughs> but there's nothing out there but roads and. <laughs> roads and wheat fields. Roads and wheat fields at the Kent Farm. Um. So we see Luther locks up the truck driver while Clark zooms a van on top of a little random desert structure. Luther breaks into the truck and steals the x We're going back to the teenagers now. Jonathan has a meltdown with his locker and a new love interest enters. Her name is Tegan. This is the first and only time we have seen Tegan. Uh, Future spoilers, I apologize. Uh, We go back to the Kent farm where Jordan is still practicing with his hearing, but is just not able to completely do it yet. He pulls open his phone and sees a picture of Sarah and hones in on her voice while she's talking to Jonathan and then uh, gets angry because he mishears a conversation and punches through a wall. He thinks his brother's growing in on his girl, which is obviously not the case. Uh, did you not see the hottie to uh Tegan? Uh, I mean, come on. Get in on these conversations earlier, Jordan um we yeah. find out that Leslie is listening into the Kents conversation with Luther out in the middle of the road while there's nobody no other cars driving to and from again I find that suspicious we flash back to Luther's world once again and we see Lois making a plea to find kryptonite and her getting killed while Luther and his daughter are in a bunker watching that is a very very cool way because he couldn't keep Lois from reporting and she she died reporting that he can be killed by kryptonite well, that was really well done um, of course the, the daughter watches and he watches they're both distraught tears are flowing and flashback then we come back and all Luther wants is a meeting with Superman he sits there and talks to Clark and Lois out on the road again nobody driving to and from no one notices there's a missing convoy no one said anything about Superman coming through flying through anyways so all he wants is just a meeting with Superman Let's see. And in exchange for a meeting with him, they give him the kryptonite. Luther begins preparations for the meet with Superman by rebuilding his suit just like what he did with his daughter Natalie on the on the other Earth. I, mean, I still don't want to call this. We don't have a name for this other Earth yet. So, anywho, we don't. We don't. We've got a lot of questions with this other Earth, and that's all I'm saying. Jonathan comes home and Jordan confront him and they get into a fight and Jonathan slaps the wall to end the fight due to his hearing and just an absolute big brother dickish mood. I mean, He says, you know what, you're struggling with something? Shabow! Just right in his ear and it just he flops. And I was like, you know, that's such a brother thing to do. And again, Jonathan is getting the shaft. Oh, it's, it's horrible. <sighs> Jordan right. deserved it, though. Yeah, I mean, both of these brothers have a lot of issues. And it's yeah. very evident in the next episode as well. Again, we're not going to do any future spoilers here until we get there. Uh, the beat up finally happens and I absolutely love this next scene. Turns out his name is not Luther, Chris. It is John Henry Irons is his real name. He traps Superman with a red light, with the red sunlight and names himself the man of steel and puts on a glove that makes him Thor and brings in a giant steel hammer. He calls Superman the real threat. Turns out the hammer is a kinetic weapon. I put that in there just so we had a kind of name for it. Jordan hears his dad, and Jonathan and Jordan are on their way to save him. Lois is also en route. I forget how she found Oh, she finds out that his name is John Henry Irons, and they go to the meetup. So I thought it was very um, – I liked how the boys came together, and none of them know how to drive, and they drive in on the, the farm truck. I thought it was really cool. <laughs> i put putting all caps on my notes here. The suns hit, <laughs> hit hit irons with the car completely out of nowhere. <laughs> he, he flies. Um, the lights are affecting Jordan as well, and Jonathan turns off the solar lights. Lois gets there and stops Superman from harming Luthor any further. Again, we saw the previous episode, his glowing eyes getting really to absolutely fry someone's brains in, and he almost did it with Luthor uh, irons on this one. And we got confirmation again. Jonathan has no powers and I hate that. I I hate the curveball they're throwing us, but you know, it is what it is. Turns out the people Lana has selected for her project from last episode were all test subjects for edge and Lana now knows this. The Kents open up and tell the boys everything what's going on. They talk, they explain about irons. They, they explain it all because they want to keep everybody in the loop. No more secrets, no more uh, lies in this family. They're just trying to to be together and figure this out a lot as a family. You know, I think it's a little too soon. I know it makes sense for the story, but one of the, you know, the things that these shows have is secrets, and I'm really surprised we got, in episode one, uh, Superman revealing his identity. Anywho, but that was that episode of episode seven, Man of Steel. I thought it was really well done. That was a great episode. We got a lot of answers out of it, but it's just... I'm excited. Let's see I
1: that. uh, I. It... So, John Henry Irons, mm-hmm. right? Um. Has origins, of course, in the comics as the character Steel. Um. This was always one of those DC characters that I thought was. It was kind of interesting, right? Because. The character. In the comics as in the show is a black man Mm -hmm. john henry in folklore was a big black man who could drive steel or iron pegs into the railroads very very quickly and he actually races a machine that people claim can do it faster and dies beating the machine hmm so the fact John Henry Irons, it the character is a tribute to that folklore character. That's pretty cool. I, I never knew that. I, but I I I just thought that it was. <laughs> I was like when when they said it, I was like, oh really? Okay, we got steel. Mm-hmm. But you know we're we're getting this sort of homage to this character out of American folklore. So it's 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 kind of cool. But it's it's this is the character itself. We've talked about DC versus Marvel. It's a very DC thing that they did back in the day, um, sort of pulling from sources like that. Whereas Marvel just made stuff up. Right. DC kind of kept uh, tying things to characters people already knew in folklore and, and things
0: like that. So, I didn't know that. That's actually. I just cool. thought. It was interesting. I, I I never knew that. Um. <clears throat> Ratings for this episode were point sixteen. We are going to do it. <coughs> excuse me, well it's up from point ten, I believe, or point twelve for the previous episodes.
1: I know the I know the episodes pre break were in the point twos and point threes. So it taking the break, I think it hurt them a little bit. But I think what also hurt them is when they come back. Things are starting to reopen, mm-hmm. so people are getting out a getting little out bit, not having to be forced inside stuff. anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> next week's episode, episode eight, is called "Holding the Wrench," and <laughs> thank you for holding the wrench. We are going to jump right into that one. God, I'm on it with these segues today. All right, <laughs> we start off. Lois is sure in, you are. <laughs> <darling>. <laughs> we start off with Lois in therapy because of all the life life changes going on, and her losing her temper. We don't find out now who she lost her temper on. We assumed it was Clark, and then at one point I assumed it was Iron's plot twist. Neither one of those. We'll get there. Jonathan and Lois investigate the RV in the past, I guess is how we're going to say this. In the RV's AI responds and recognizes Lois. Of course, uh, Lois Lane was Iron's wife in the other world, so he made, he programmed the AI to be that way as well. Superman goes to question John Henry Irons uh, slash Luther and refuses to talk to anyone but Lois Lane while Jonathan finds out when, about multiverses and about what she was to him. Uh, Jonathan and Lois, excuse me. Uh, they mention multiverses and parallel universes. Not mm-hmm. once did they mention, mention Kara or the Crisis or anything. So,
1: Yeah, it's very strange. I don't know why they're not doing that. None of that
0: and right. I know they want it to be on its own feet first before they start bringing in you know, heavy hitters from the other shows, but that's what makes the, the Aeroverse great. So
1: Yeah. But uh, you're about to lose Kara. So you might want to.
0: Right. You might want to go ahead yeah. and somehow bring them together. Um, but even in even the little crowd, crossover promos for this year, they're all like uh, Tyler Hecklin and Melissa Benoist is still on the, the promo art. So I'm like we're still keeping them a part of Arrowverse, but I, I just don't, I don't understand they're doing this. I, I just want to mention, huh. let us for sure know we're still a part of this, but they don't, yeah. they don't do it. Like, um, you finished Arrow, right? All the way through. Yeah. So, in legends of tomorrow, cause you know, um, Sarah Lance went to, uh, the funeral and all those, like the last two episodes, they mentioned that legends of tomorrow and like, she's, you know, she's off uh, grieving, um, uh, What's his name? Uh, Oliver. And I'm just like, why can't we do something like that? I know. Again, we're trying to get season one up on its feet, trying to make it its own. But I enjoy this kind of stuff, and I'm sure a lot of other viewers do as well. Yeah. So, anyways.
1: Well, the, the thing is, the thing is, it's an obvious connection, and if you ignore the obvious connection, you just, you, it, it's like consulting the audience. Right. You know, we're all sitting here. We're all sitting here waiting for it. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Just like you said, a mention and, you know, quit, quit holding back.
0: Yeah. Quit beating around the bush. Just give us what we want at this point. Anyways, um, it turns out Lois and the therapist sessions are in the future or we're still watching this episode. So it's kind of like, and not too far in the future. Like we're watching present day and then we're seeing this kind of like back and forth. Jonathan goes back into the RV solo and watches the video of the other Lois being killed. The one that's traumatic. Poor Jonathan. Again, should have been her solo. We'll get there. He also finds the weapons stockpile and locks down the RV and is about to be killed. Superman comes home at the absolute last second to save the day and then gets lecture. And Jonathan gets lectured by his parents, which further alienates him. Guys, I know he is. Was not supposed to be doing this, could have gotten killed, yada yada. Came last second. But the way that they are yelling and arguing at him is, especially Lois.
1: Yeah, yeah I was going to say, he got lectured by Clark. He got destroyed yeah. by Lois.
0: And I'm like, <laughs> this kid is already so far alienated from the rest of the family and his place in the world, especially as a teenager. And they were this harsh to him. Um. Obviously, I, we find out this is who uh, Lois is talking about, who she was yelling at.
1: I like. I did like in that scene that You know, she sends him to his room, and when she's done, just ripping him apart. Right. And the look on Clark's face is just like, uh (laughs) do do I say
0: anything? Right. (laughs) Do I need to do anything in this moment, or just stay in here? And then,
1: (laughs) and then he asks her if she's okay, and she says yes. And he's or or says I, I forget what she responds with, but he's like, all right gonna take that as a no yeah <laughs> just
0: <laughs> we see i love that we're doing family dynamics like this like we're still having a superhero show but it's still a family growing up and you know with the right. greatest superhero of all time um uh, uh turns out what the i put uh Lo- lois explodes on jonathan the fantastic mom dialogue and this is obviously the thing she's telling talk to her therapist pissed about and then we go over to Lana. turns out that Lana didn't recruit her husband for the Edge program, and he's taking that a little bit too heart, but it's because Lars said it, uh, told him that there was a position, but Lana knows it differently. We obviously found out last episode that these people are one of the ones being experimented on with the Kryptonite X. She did not want her husband doing that and therefore did not recruit him, but didn't tell Morgan Edge and Lars that. So,
1: Yeah, he, he's already kind of off kilter enough i Mm -hmm. can imagine him with powers
0: uh my wife she says that uh, they think he is going to somehow end up getting powers or putting himself on the program and it's going to be a superman and him dual fight off at the end of the season which i could see oh good yeah so i just don't know how this and i want to say it i know it might be an unpopular opinion but the whole Lana, uh, Kyle, and Sarah storylines, I don't care. Other than the love interest yeah, and everything, um, I just I don't I don't care. And yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I just I'm, every time they came on screen, I don't take much notes just because it's none of it feels interesting to me. Like it's it's not even B storyline. I feel like it's C or D storylines, and I'm just like, they're just they're kind of filler content, and I'm
1: I'm not about it. Yeah, Sarah's. Sarah's interactions with Jordan and Jonathan are fine. Yes, keep those because um, we need the love interest. You know, cause, cause that's, right, that's developing. I don't even have an issue with Lana per se and her how she interacts with Clark and and Lois. Mm-hmm. You know, like having her as a character that comes in and you have some friendly interactions and then you're going to have something misinterpreted that they become enemies for a brief time mm. and then they come back you know that back and forth i just I, he he can go i don't yeah, need him in the story we we've already know? understand
0: and, he he's depressed he's abusive he's a drinker i mean we've we've seen it all we don't and he's a
1: firefighter yeah. which yeah you don't want to go to a fire loaded with alcohol
0: Right. it's that's just Louie asking for an explosion um, so we'd come to find out that Lois has a miscarriage prior to uh, Jordan and Jonathan. It turns out the miscarriage is named. After. Do I? Oh, it was, it was after. I thought it was after. Oh, it might have been after.
1: I think they were 18 months old.
0: That's what it was because it was a picture of all of them. And okay, that's what it was. It was after. Um, turns out that the, it was going to be a girl. and Her name was going to be Natalie. Just like uh, Irons and Lane's kid was, was named Natalie in the other world. And that's how they tied that together. And that's why she was a little shaken up when she found out that he had a daughter named Natalie. Because we saw it on her face. Yeah. I didn't put two and two together that something like this happened. And uh, and that was the big point. Because, you know, she went to the her therapist before during, due to this miscarriage. And we found out a little bit more history on that and how, how human Lois Lane is. Um, there is a bad guy infiltrating the DOD while all this is going down, and kidnaps Irons. He takes him to R and D with Kryptonite weapons, but Superman goes there anyways. Of course, we have these cliche. Just, I, I wish shows would do this either a differently or just not do them at all. We don't need these cliche conversations with Superman and Kryptonite. Oh, you are storing Kryptonite to use against me? Yeah, I mean duh i mean why is this a trust issue still they they
1: mentioned it earlier in the series he finds out about it right, right? so
0: i just why I is it a surprise it.
1: the only thing that they should have discussed is um when when he tells when he tells him that hey some of it's uh um, aerosol some you know Mm-hmm. Break down what type so he knows what he's walking into. Right. The fact that it's there shouldn't be a surprise.
0: I mean, this is, if I'm Clark or Superman, whoever you want to be, or Super, let's just say Superman, I'd be like, oh, you know, that makes sense. Because if I ever get to hold a Red Kryptonite, I turn into like a complete, you know, doucher and I am killing everybody and everything. I would hope that would have this because, you know, I want to protect the people of this planet. Or if there's any right. rogue Kryptonite, you know, Kryptonians coming in. Maybe future spoilers, we don't know yet. Anyways, they do that whole right. cliche thing. He's like, oh, you don't want to go to that um, 7734, which if you turn it upside down, calculator says, hell, anyways. Um, he says, you don't want to go down there. That's where we're stockpiling our kryptonite. Uh, he says, you know, it's we're doing a whole bunch of experiments and stuff down there. He goes down there anyways. A cool little battle ensues with the kryptonite gas and uh, the other uh, fake kryptonians. That's obviously from Edge. And he puts a gas mask on. The aerosol gas fight was pretty cool. Um, didn't really harm Superman that much because they were still able to fight. This is a much different kryptonite uh, effect than what we see with um the Clark Kent and Smallville, where it just Mm -hmm. anytime he gets near it, he he can't move. This time he can move and finds just a little bit weaker. Uh, he saves iron, sends him out in the hallway while he still fights this guy, and then. While the Edge villain and Superman duke it out, Lois and the rest of the DoD barges in before Irons can kill Superman. Irons stabs and kills through the Infiltrator and almost kills them, but Lois and the rest of the DoD barges in. Lois talks Irons down. He says, you know, he's not bad. This is not what you want to do. And is able to talk him down. We go out and we go back to the Kent farm after every another conversation about the, the synthetic uh, Kryptonian. Uh, gas that they were testing and the spear and all this other stuff again cliche conversations. But I'm like for once I'm actually pro Sam Lane on this whole conversation I'm just like dude he ha-. again I've already said it we're not gonna go there uh, we see Irons is hanging out on the Kent farm getting his RV together and we see the brothers and they're just kind of stalking him and we find out that turns out that Irons was right and Edge is making Kryptonians And that's episode eight. And called Holding the Wrench, which I thought was really well done at the very beginning of the episode. But uh, we see a, we did see a nice little monologue with uh, Jonathan and Lois. They got back together. I thought it was a very touching scene. She says, I don't have powers. She goes, but I feel scared all the time, but I have to pull through. There's, you know, I have a place in this world and you do too. And I thought that was a very touching way to keep Jonathan involved. I still think there's going to be some brotherly rivalry, but uh, Jamie and my wife said the same thing. She goes, I think he's going to be the lowest lane of the family and be a reporter instead of what's normally in the common books where Jonathan Kent is the one with the powers. So that was world one well
1: done. What, what if they swerve us, though? What if something happens that um, Lois and or Jonathan – I mean it could be both of them what if they get say she gets captured okay. by Edge Jonathan tries to save his mom, he gets captured they both get given these superpowers
0: mm. and because he's got know, DNA, just, he might keep it yeah, he oh, would keep God, it I want that so bad I just, want, I just want a super fight between the two brothers I mean I don't want to put them it, through that but I kind of want that
1: <laughs> they they still haven't explained what we saw. In what was it the pilot? When uh, little Jonathan slings the football You're right. and it, straight it, throw it just destroys the tires. Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe I just I feel like they glossed over that and are still glossing over that. And maybe he just might be like a late bloomer. And, but yeah, with Three, ep- I guess, uh, three episodes ago now, where he stopped the fight from Jordan, I could have swore that was us seeing him having super strength. Obviously, not the correct thing. Well, but
1: I mean, it broke his wrist. But like we talked about, to most people, that would have turned their bones to dust, right? Because that was everything Jordan had. Like he re- he pulled mm-hmm. back. He was full force with the punch. And when he stopped it, all it did was break his wrist.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, you, you see Jordan put a dent in a log, an imprint.
0: Just like Perfect uh, imprint of
1: his fist. Yeah, to be able to do that, if he hit a normal yeah. hand, it probably pulverizes that bone. Just going to have to cut it so off and cut it off. And... probably... Jonathan probably has something. It's just not, like you said, he's a late bloomer. It's not manifested yet. Yeah.
0: So that was the Rent, Holding the Wrench. I thought it was a nice name for it. And ratings went down again. We're back down to .10 for this episode. And episode nine is titled Loyal Subjects. Instead of a C at the end, it's a K. So obviously we're talking about Kryptonians. So, And now, Chris, it is time for Nashville, Tennessee's favorite segment of our show and that is who is our douche canoe between this show? Oh, Um, oh, yeah, of course. uh, Wrong wrong podcast. Uh, The the douche canoe of these two episodes, of course, we're going to combine them. Um, I want to go in and put my pitch for Kyle. I don't know his last name, but for Kyle. Dude missed his... He was a jerk to Lana. Of course, he doesn't know the Uh full story. And then... He also missed his daughter's recital where he was supposed to play the guitar for her. And
1: By the way, Jordan came through like a champ yeah, he did. that, didn't he? I,
0: I didn't put it in because I didn't think it was that big of a story beat. But uh, for, for a little Kyle, rusty on the piano. Yeah, he got there. He figured he got there. But that's that's my uh, that's my pitch for Douche Canoe
1: yeah i I think that's a pretty good one. I mean, I think the only other one that you could go with would be, and I'm drawing a blank on her name, edge's assistant uh, uh, uh Lar. for stirring yeah for stirring the pot on that in the first place you know and and she knew what she was doing when she told him that edge had wanted him in the program and mm-hmm. and Lana didn't so but that's kind of her character. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think Kyle's probably the one that. Uh, don't don't get me wrong. That the actor playing him's doing a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. I just don't see any interest in the character on my part going forward. Do I, you think he dies? Not, I think he sacrifices himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Somehow, way. I, I think that's his.
1: Uh, his his payoff with all the bad that he's done, and then I think that causes a rift between Lana and Lois and between Sarah and Jordan and Jonathan, Mm -hmm. because there'll be that little bit of blame that somehow they were to blame for what he had to sacrifice himself for.
0: See, Future spoilers, I'm telling you. I know things. Okay, well, Kyle is our douche canoe for this episode. I like it. I like it a lot. And something else I like, Chris, is we got seven new stories here for our TV news. Of course, this is the super episode, is what we're going to call this one. We've only got little, seven. Only seven. We listen. We got a lot to talk about, especially in movies. Um, so number yeah. one, the CW's Powerpuff Girls live action pilot is being reworked. This is not good. I did. I hate when I saw this article. I my heart went to my stomach. I did not like this because that's not good.
1: They said that they, they're perfectly happy with the cast, right? right. Um, they just wanted to rework the script. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, I, yeah. I
0: read a page of the script that someone leaked online of the original pilot. And the reason I know it was the actual script is because it got copyrighted and took down within a couple hours. This page I saw flying around. And it did not look good. Like, I can't remember. It was... It just I'm trying to say because I don't want I don't want this show to a copyright for what I read but it was like a little teenage uh, young adult conversations in a bedroom someone was talking about Instagram or Snapchat like the and stuff like that I'm just like it was it, it did not look good Chris I'm sorry it, I should have taken a screenshot and sent it to you but it did not look good but we are going to TVline.com by Matt Webb Mitovich for this story. The CW's live-action update of the Powerpuff Girls franchise is heading back to the drawing board to be, co- become a bit more, well, real. As reported on Monday, the buzzy pilot did not make the cut for the CW's 2021-2022 slate, but is being reworked for later consideration, with all the cast and writers still attached. Quote, Sometimes things miss, and this was just a miss, CW chairman and CEO Mark Pedowitz told TV Line during a Tuesday conference call. We believe in a cast completely, We believe in Diablo, Cody, and Heather Regnier, the writers, and we believe in the auspices of executive producer Greg Berlanti and Warner Brothers Studios. In this case, the pilot didn't work, but because we see enough elements in there, we're going to give it another shot. We didn't want to go forward with what we had. Um, Asked by TV Line how exactly the first crack at a pilot came up short, Pedowitz said, Totally it might have been a little too campy. It didn't feel as rooted in reality as it might have been. But again, you learn things when you test things out. And in this case, we felt like, let's take a step back and go back to the drawing board.
1: So my question would be, before you do anything, you have a script, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you have to have something to show people that you want to be involved. If you didn't like the script after you cast everybody... And you were getting ready to film the pilot. Why didn't you not like it before?
0: Yeah, what what changed? And
1: have it reworked then. Yeah. Okay. Was it... I wonder if they started rehearsals or something and actually saw it playing out and said, yeah, this ain't going to work.
0: Uh, I don't know. It's, it's just... I don't like this because... Obviously, we're attached to a lot of the stars that are playing in this, and we want this to succeed. But the Internet, on the other hand, which, of course, is the Internet, they don't want it to succeed. But I I want them to prove them wrong so bad, and I hope they come back stronger and even better with this.
1: The other thing I would ask you, because, again, I never watched the show, right? It seems like a property, from what little I know about it, that's not going to be hurt by a little campiness. Mm-mm. Is that wrong? No, no. It's,
0: oh. Yeah, it's, but like, I really wish I would have screenshotted it and sent it to you so you could have read it with me because it was, it was bad from what that page, and I was like, oh, there's no way this was real, but the, the how fast they took that down, I was like, oh, it was real. <laughs> it, it was not good, but so
1: they were talking about Instagram and Snapchat right. and TikTok and yeah. all this.
0: stuff. You know how she is on Instagram. It's never gonna work that way. It was. It's like stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, this is this is not good. But we'll see what they come up with next. But some pretty huge fun news here. The Flash season eight will kick off with five crossover type episodes featuring superhero team ups from across the Arrowverse. Five. One, two, three, four, five episodes. Uh, we are going to entertainment.com for this one by Chancellor Agard. The CW is staging multiple Arrowverse team-ups this fall. On Tuesday, this is the same network call that they had about Powerpuff Girls. On Tuesday, network chairman and CEO Mark Pedowitz announced that season eight of The Flash will begin with five special event episodes featuring heroes from across the Arrowverse or the CWverse, as he is still insisting on calling it. Yeah, we're not going to call it that. Quote, the idea for The Flash is Eric Wallace and executive producer Greg Berlanti have come together, and we're talking about our other superheroes from the CW verse that will come together in each individual episode. I wonder, I bet this is the crossover. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Pedowitz told reporters during a press conference, it will not quite be a crossover, but it will have a crossover-type feel with the introduction of all of these characters. Pedowitz didn't say which actors will visit The Flash in November. Well, I'll let you have those conversations with Eric Wallace, Petowitz told EW on the call. We do know that there are a couple feelers out there to couple the actors, but we have no definitives yet. One of those feelers is likely regarding Black, star, uh, Black Lightning star Cress Williams, who just wrapped up his four-season run on the topical superhero show. In a recent interview with EW, Williams confirmed that The Flash has twice reached out to gauge his interest in guest starring in Season 8. Please make that happen. Quote, we're just in the right. talk phase, said Williams, who just moved back to Los Angeles, making visiting Vancouver for a guest stint much easier logistically. I really enjoyed the crossover last year, specifically, I think, me and Grant Gustin. We're just very like-minded in how we approach the work, and we had great conversations. One of my favorite scenes of doing this character was a scene between me and him in the library on the wave Rider and Crisis of Infinite Earths. So the tough, the thought of being able to go back and do an episode here or there, yeah, oh yeah, I'm down for that. So... Uh, the CW had. Huh. To, they went on to say the CW had to scrap its annual Arrowverse crossover this year because the COVID nineteen pandemic made it virtually impossible to write and schedule a multi episode event spanning multiple shows and featuring multiple actors. Instead of the usual crossover fun, Arrow alum David Ramsey is guest starring as John Diggle on several of the shows, including Batwoman, Superman and Lois, The Flash, and Supergirl. I didn't know that was confirmed that he was going to be on Superman and Lois.
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Unless they're they're thinking with him the Fabios of the director. Yeah. yeah. It anyways. Was... I thought that's crazy never that So excited.
1: so um I understand why they couldn't write the crossover to take place when it normally does. What if they had switched gears though and written a crossover that was going to end every show's season? You got mm. Supergirl coming to an end, mm-hmm. so you could have used it as a way to send her off. Same thing them black. You just Lightning have this well. massive event that ends. Yeah, you have this massive event that ends all the seasons for the shows, and gives you a big cliffhanger moment.
0: I think they should have done fall. with what, and they still might. We don't. We don't know with uh, well, Black Lightning just ended, It's so never mind. But with Arrow, I like how in Crisis, you know. Again, spoilers for those who have not seen Crisis, it's it's two years old at this point. But where where Steven Amell died and they did two more episodes of Arrow to wrap everything back up. And right. I think that would be great for uh, like Black Lightning or what would have been great for Black Lightning and even Supergirl is they do this big event but only like a couple more episodes just to wrap everything back up, give all the actors their, their last little thing, you know. Um, but and all the other seasons. Like injure Superman and Lois during the crossover event. Like the crossover event is the last episode, stuff like that. That'd be great. Like, you know, clean yeah. up their your main storylines an episode or two before and then bring them into the crossover. But
1: I it it sounds like Chris Williams doesn't want to hang out in Vancouver all the time.
0: Yeah, that's a big part uh, of the job. Like
1: he's 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 cool to go. Yeah. And but if it weren't for that, what would you think about him? becoming the next or Black Lightning becoming the next uh, member of the Wave Rider.
0: God, that would have been so much fun. Like he, if he didn't have his family, I think he he would have, because that's the only thing well, grounding easy, him to reality. They... Or even have Painkiller as a as a permanent member. Like oh, yeah, because
1: he's not getting his own show anymore. No,
0: dude, that would be so good. And they still might do that, actually, but. Maybe. We could have just called them out. They never know. Our next story here is another DC uh, story. Jeremy Irvine confirms his casting as Alan Scott in the Green Lantern HBO Max series. We're going to comicbook.com by Jenna Anderson. Details are gradually coming to light about HBO Max's Green Lantern, an ambitious adaptation of multiple characters who have taken on the mantle in DC Comics canon. The latest details about the series have surrounded the casting of Alan Scott with reports last week indicating that Warhorse and Mamma Mia Here We Go Again actor Jeremy Irvine was in talks for the role. Now it looks like Irvine is officially signed on to play Alan Scott, as the actor took to int- Instagram to break his silence on the role. In the post, which you can check out below, Irvine reveals that he's very excited to be joining the DC Universe and that he can't wait to get started either with the role. And it's li- quote, uh, it's literally his Instagram post, is very excited to be joining the DC Universe, can't wait to get started. And then he quotes the Green Lantern's... Uh, uh, motto story no motto uh action title anyways what turns them into the Green Lantern so that's pretty cool We've got our fish confirming
1: there which Alan which Alan Scott do you think we get do you think we get the what was it Golden Age mm-hmm. just society. the original Alan Scott or which, do you think we get the is it Stargirl, do way? you think we get the rebooted Alan Scott what do you think we get the rebooted Alan Scott I think that the re- came out just what.
0: One because yeah with
1: it's more it's more timely though yeah for the rebooted because he has a life partner his sexual orientation Mm -hmm. changes you know that sort of thing so i i I feel like that's the way that they're going to go with it
0: well and in star girl alan there's an already an alan scott in and i don't know if this hbo version is going to cross over i doubt it but again with Hall, you know don't know how Warner Brothers just cannot get this yet. But like you have very successful we've said this so many times before, Chris, you have got very successful T V yeah. shows. And any anyway, well anyways. The so there is a Green yeah. Lantern in obviously John Diggle is a Green Lantern now. We got kinda kinda got confirmation of that in the last episode of Arrow. We mm-hmm. and there's a Green Alan Scott Green Lantern in Stargirl. So right. which
1: now you have another yeah, Alan Scott.
0: So it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I, they don't know
1: what they're doing. We know, and I know at one point when we were talking about it, you know, we mentioned the way that they. You have the the multiple Earths, mm-hmm. and and we figured, okay, well, that's that's what they're. I, I don't think that's the plan. I think no. that's what they're hiding behind. Because I mean, you can't even hide behind that anymore. Because of crisis. Crapshoot. Let's. Right, it's it's just been crapshoot. We're just we want someone new for this role on the movie screen. We want someone new for this on the TV screens. And now, you know, like you said, you can't hide behind it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, what do you, you? Just you keep confusing DC your audience. DC needs a complete reboot. Yeah. DC needs a complete and 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 it sucks because a complete reboot means you lose some of these great castings that you've gotten. For characters like Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and mm-hmm. you know Flash, from the TV show, and but they need to start over. They need to find their Kevin Feige. It's exactly and what they just need to start from scratch.
0: They they won't. But they That's, won't do it. That makes too much sense. But you know what, Chris? What does make sense, and we're going to some a little bit of Marvel news on this one. Number four, we got WandaVision creator Jack Schaefer Inc.'s three-year deal to develop TV projects for Marvel Studios and 20th Television. We're going to Hollywood Reporter for this one by Leslie Goldberg. Disney and Marvel liked what it saw from Jack Schaefer. The WandaVision creator has inked a three-year overall deal with Marvel and 20th Television. Under the pact, she will create and develop TV projects for both Disney-owned platforms. WandaVision was Marvel's first TV series that directly connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The series, starring Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, reprising their film roles as Wanda and Vision, respectively was made an immediate critical breakout for Disney+, and is already in the conversation for the limited series Emmys. I did not know that. Schaefer created WandaVision and served as head writer, a.k.a. showrunner, on the series. She also contributed to the story for Marvel's upcoming Black Widow feature. Schaefer, who started her career in 2009 as a writer, director, producer on the feature Timer, also penned the screenplay for Disney's anime 2017 short Olaf's Frozen Adventure and 2019's The Hustle, starring Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. She's wrecked by Rip Large, Verve, and Paul Hastings. I did not know that she's had her hand in so many good projects like that. But it makes sense. They said, no, no, we want you. We're going to keep you.
1: It's interesting to me that... They're already plugging WandaVision as the first MCU-linked TV series when we've had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we've had Agent Carter, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. Inhumans, kind of, (laughs) sort of.
1: Inhumans was planned, but they never really connected it.
0: Because it's not even mentioned in the MCU whatsoever. (laughs) Right.
1: But Agent Carter was definitely connected, and so was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. before they decided after the fact... To disconnect. I still those don't series. even
0: know why that was disconnected.
1: I don't, You would think Agent Carter would stay at least, right? Right. Because I, mean, I mean, mean, she's established in
0: Endgame
1: as being mm-hmm. still this character. <sighs>
0: That'd make any sense. Again, just a little bit more Marvel news here. Dani Guerrero to return as Okay. Okay. Oka- I'm butchering that name. Uh, in an origin spin-off series on Disney Plus. We're going to deadline.com by Anthony and Del Sandro. We hear from sources that deny Guerrero were returning as okay okay again General of the Dora Milaje, and Ryan Kugler's upcoming Black Panther Wakanda Forever, as well as reprising the character in an origin spin-off series for Disney Plus. Disney did not have any comment about the report. It would not come as a shock if Guerrero also started the Wakanda series which Coogler is developing for Disney Plus. That's awesome. That's Again, yeah. not necessarily a story I think we really need an origin story for, but am I happy we're getting one? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I yeah. love that actress and fell love with her in Walking Dead. She came in on Black Panther, did an excellent job. I'm all for it.
1: Well, I, I think we're going to get a lot more stuff like this because I think it's going to go the way Star Wars has gone, where they're going to. All right, we're going to tell you the big stories but mm-hmm. then we're also going to develop shows like this that are going to tell you the backgrounds for all these other characters Euro that one's we in. can't justify making a movie about. Yeah, yeah.
0: I love it. So. And something else I love, Chris, I think, I'm glad you asked. Number six, the Last of Us HBO series has found its Marlene. We're going to Variety.com on this one by Alex Stedman. HBO's The Last of Us is bringing back a cast member from the video game to reprise her role in the TV series. Merle Dandridge, who played Marlene in The Last of Us game, will return to portray her, her in her HBO's adaptation of the beloved title. Marlene is the head of the Fireflies, a resistance movement, struggling for freedom against an oppressive military military regime. Uh, of course, Dandridge joins the star-studded cast and includes Pedro Pascal as Joel, Bella Ramsey as Ellie, and Gabriel Luna as Tommy. That's awesome. Would I have loved to have seen um, Troy Baker reprise his role as Joel? Absolutely. Am I hurt that Pedro Pascal is playing him? Not at all. So I just – I feel like if they're going to do her as Marlene, then we could have had Joel. But I'm sure Troy Baker probably said, I'll let someone else do this. You know, I'm a voice actor. So
1: Yeah, I mean, for all we know, he didn't want to do a live-action series. Mm -hmm.
0: So, I mean, he's still a great actor, but I get it. And our last news story is coming at kind of a shock to me because I have I almost started watching this show after one of my shows. Number seven, J- Jupiter's Legacy effectively canceled after one season. We're going to the Collider.com, and again, I'm going to warn you all, they do kind of take a lot of stabs at the show. I'm only five minutes in the first episode, so I really don't know all this yet, but we're going into it. This is TheClyder.com by Scott Campbell. Netflix has canceled Jupiter's Legacy after just one eight-episode season that only premiered on May 7th, but the streaming service is not giving up on Mark Miller's Miller world yet, just yet. Jupiter's Legacy will now be reworked into an anthology series, with super crooks coming into live action as the next Mark Miller adaptation. So not really canceled. It's just they're staying in that world, just not with Jupiter's Legacy. The entire principal cast of Jupiter's Legacy and their terrible wigs have been released from their contracts, and you get the distinct impression that pivoting towards an anthology model so soon was never the platform's plan, having initially shelled out over $30 million to acquire Miller World in the first place, of which Jupiter's Legacy was the first project. Uh, to Hollywood reports, Boris Kitt reports that the first season of Jupiter's Legacy as a whole cost a whopping $200 million but the show failed to pick up the kind of buzz the streaming service was hoping for. Again.
1: it's a lot of money.
0: Yeah. I can't really say much on it because I haven't personally watched the show yet. I have not heard a lot of good things. Yeah,
1: like I haven't either. So. I haven't either.
0: Maybe that's for the best, but the first five minutes are really good, Chris. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's Rele- what she said. Releases for these two weeks. Uh, We wanted to... <laughs> Uh, we wanted to go ahead and tell you about everything that's coming out, just in case you missed it. Friday, June 4th, Marvel Studios Legends a Loki uh, episode came out on Disney+. Plus. And then Friday, June 4th as well, Sweet Tooth from the producers, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and his wife, uh, came out as well. Have not delved into that, um, potentially might delve into that this week. And then this week coming up, we've got Wednesday, June 9th with Loki on Disney+. Plus which means by Friday make sure you have watched it because i'm sure spoilers are going to be everywhere after those two days. You get with it.
1: And definitely by the time we record we're yeah. just we're going to talk about yeah, everything. spoilers galore so. at that point. So. Yeah. So, that was that was a fairly lengthy TV segment.
0: Uh, it was only an hour, not a big deal. <laughs>
1: Now, for the next hour and a half, we're going to talk both. <laughs> uh, first off, before we get into the, the movie of the week, and we we didn't watch one um, this week. We just went with the one from last week. Right. Uh, so, we only have one to talk about. But, Tyler, did you watch anything I sure extra? did.
0: I sure did. We'll start off with Raya and the Last Dragon, the newest uh, Disney animated movie. So. Oh, excuse me! So well done. Story was great. It felt like a, a superhero show, and I Mm. I advise everybody to watch that one. That one is just it's of course it's free on Disney Plus now. It's out of its thirty day premiere window, and it's the newest princess movie, and I'm I'm very excited. It's it was really good. I give that one a, an A minus for me on Raya and the Last Dragon. Because that's not all I watched movie wise. Of course, Friends the Reunion surprise dropped on HBO Max. And I watched the whole two hour reunion episode. And I absolutely, I'm a huge Friends fan and have always loved it. Yes, Ross and Rachel were on a break. There's no doubt about that. But to see this cast and crew come together 20 years later after everything went down, and then the way that HBO did this, uh, I watched the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion. And that one was good. But this one was leagues better than that one. The, they had them come in. They, they had them one by one come into the set. And the, hear them talk about the set and things that happened on there. And then flashbacks. And then they did a whole little thing with James Corden a little bit. Kind of wish they didn't have that part. But it still made sense. And it was really well done. They even had like the writers. They had surprise guests. I'm not going to ruin any of those for you. No, Paul Ruddell's not on there. I don't know why. Um, but Did just, Tom Selleck pop up? I'm not answering that, but there were a lot of <laughs> a lot of people that showed up. They did you know that uh, uh, Matt LeBlanc? No, Matt LeBlanc plays. Uh, yeah, he plays Joey. Do you know he Joey. he dislocated his shoulder on set during one of the uh-uh. episodes? Yeah, I, there was like a bunch of stuff I had no idea about, and like there were. Uh, so, go ahead.
1: Wait, which set did they? Which set did they use? All of them. Was it Central Park? Yeah,
0: Central Park was there. The, both of the all apartments they, they were there. they hopped around. Yeah, like, well, they're all, yeah. they, they were actually, because they, they filmed, they had it on location of where they filmed it at. And so they're right. all three, like, next to each other. Like, they're just rooms. Like, you wouldn't have a house. It, I did, yeah. Stuff like that, because I, I guess I never grew up in, like, the golden age of sitcoms. I never knew stuff like that was filmed in a live audience. Like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was my first yeah. time. I realized that there was an actual audience there. And they even talked about Yeah, the, about the how... way the way. Oh,
1: the way that you could do it back then is if. You know, if you were traveling to L.A. to Hollywood, you could write weeks in advance, maybe months. You could write to the studio that produced whichever show, and you could ask for tickets. And uh, I don't remember if you had. I don't think you had to pay for them. I think it was like a lottery. Like oh, they that's just threw awesome. your name, and it was like, yeah, hey. And that's how they filled the, the audience. Everything. Well, uh,
0: and, and one of the things that they talked about and it, looking back on it and thinking of this episode, I was like, well, I guess that makes sense. Well, so again, this is not spoiler. It's been out for 20 years. But the scene where we get the reveal that, um, oh God, I'm blanking on their names. Uh, Courtney Cox's character and Monica, Monica and Chandler, the first reveal that they slept together in yeah. London. So that was a Mm -hmm. big reveal, and during the episode, there's like three or four minutes – well, that's about two or three minutes – of them – of the crowd cheering and hooping and hollering. And I guess I didn't even realize that that was a live audience, and they were not – they would not stop. And they – originally, the writer said – I'm not spoiling anything huge here – but originally, the writer said that that was just going to be like a little fling thing in London. But based off of the audience's reaction and how long it was, they decided to write them into being a couple for the rest of the series – And I was like, that's crazy to me that they did that. But I highly recommend um, the Friends of the Reunion episode. A lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. You see them all come together for like the first time in years. A lot of them do not even look to each other like each other. A lot of them had face work. Obviously, Courtney Cox being the biggest one. It was kind of weird to see some of that stuff. But it was – and, like, they they showed so much cool stuff. Like, they showed the impact that it had on the world – when they knew it was big and just it was really well done. I I advise everybody to watch that. Even if you had only watched a couple episodes of Friends. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, that's all I watched. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have
1: to check it out. <laughs> yeah, off. it's
0: good. That's all you watch.
1: <laughs> so uh let's let's get into our movie discussion then. The Woman in the Window. Now this is a film starring Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get Anthony Mackie in here. We get did um, not see that coming. By Wyatt way. Russell in here did they, not see that one either. <laughs> they, they did not interact. Mm-mm. They did not have scenes together. Um, this was this was a film that I heard people were polarized on it, whether they loved it or, or hated it, or just were kind of eh, whatever um so i didn't know really what to think going in the story is basically this woman is a shut-in she has a brownstone in new york city um and she's agoraphobic Mm -hmm. which means she doesn't want to be outside doesn't want to be around crowds um even the way she acts early on, even people, a single person that she's not that familiar with, makes her nervous. And um, she has a therapist that she talks to that comes by, I guess, once a week. Mm-hmm. The The film takes place pretty much over the course of a week. Um, and we get flashbacks. So I'm, I'm debating how much to go into because... It is a newer movie. Yeah.
0: And we can but, do light spoilers. Uh not the big, I guess not the too big twists at the end, but we can go into light light yeah. spoilers.
1: Yeah. So it it's based on a book. If if you've read the book, the movie's different from the book. They change things. I've not read the book, but I I've, I've heard people that have have pointed out some of the differences. Um basically Something in her past. She she used to be a well, I guess technically she still is a psychiatrist or therapist. A child psychiatrist. Something in her past triggered, yeah. Something in her past triggered this. This agoraphobia. Um, she. You know, when when I pitched watching this to Tyler, I mentioned that it's supposed to be kind of similar to rear window Mm -hmm. because she witnesses a crime and uh you actually see at the very beginning of the film as as the camera's panning toward where she's at there's a tv that's on and there's a shot of jimmy stewart on the tv and it's from rear window so um she a, a family moves in across from her she's she witnesses something through the window um which she's she's basically spying on these people. Yeah,
0: she, she's stalking so very all strange. of these like this whole you're building where the people she's stalking. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you're a little you're a little bit of a creeper here. But uh she witnesses something that starts this real spiral for her. Uh the family does have a young son who brings her a gift, and and she even comments, uh, "I should be the one giving you a gift because mm-hmm. you're new to the neighborhood." But he he brings a gift over. She lets him borrow some movies because apparently he's not allowed to watch movies. We we've talked about now for a couple of films that we've watched that there were these scenes that were a little uncomfortable, and there's one here where. Um, she embraces the young man. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what, what do you, it it, it just seemed really weird, yeah. really inappropriate. She sta- she's standing there in a bathrobe. And this hug that they have lasts just a little too long. And at the time, you don't really know why. You find out later that, there's more to it from her side, as to why that is the performances I think are really really oh, good every
0: um, single person's performance was great.
1: Wyatt Russell's character lives downstairs. she yeah, rents a, to he's him. A tenant. <laughs> he he's he's just her tenant he does a little bit of handyman work if if she needs it on this or that um. But in the, I will say this, in the book, they actually have a thing.
0: Oh, I'm sure.
1: And it doesn't happen in the movie. Now, did you um,
0: read the book before or after the movie?
1: I've not read the book. Okay. I I listened to someone else talking about the movie okay. since watching it that had read the book. So there's uh, Anthony Mackie, is her husband in the film, and they have a they have a daughter, mm-hmm. um, and that's about all I'm willing to say as far as the story, without spoiling mm-hmm. anything, because there's not a lot that you can say.
0: Did you? So going into this, I was thinking this was more of like a, a scary thriller. And yeah, but I was as we're watching it and the the crime happens. I've looked over to my wife and we had a friend over the time watching it with us. I said, "I'm going to find out what the twist is before it's revealed." Now, did you call the twist before it happened?
1: Um which twist? Uh,
0: the one with the crime.
1: No, no, I didn't because I, didn't. I was I was going a different. Did you? I was I was going a different direction in my brain, with thinking something else was up. Mm-hmm. Um. So no, I I didn't call that one. I did call the other one.
0: Yeah, I I got I guess the grand picture I got half of it right, um, of who, uh, who was the on the res, the receiving end of the crime, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I I called out who they were, like early on, like once they they started doing their whole little mind bending oh. thing, I was like, that's who that is.
1: Well, I'll so that there's a twist. So technically there there would be three twists right. in, the, in the movie. There would be the twist about what you just talked about. There's a twist about the crime itself, right? Mm-hmm. And and who the perpetrator is. But then there's also a twist about um what's going on with Amy Adams' character and her husband whom mm-hmm. she says she separated from and their daughter. That was so great. there's three twists in this story, mm-hmm. essentially.
0: That's good. <laughs> I I enjoyed so, this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to.
1: Yeah. It I graded it after hearing other people talk about it and that kind of affected my grade. Hearing how it had changed from the book, so I think on Letterboxd I gave it two and a half stars. That's, I came in at about a C.
0: That's where I'm at. I'm at right at a, I yeah, I would say right at a C. I I enjoyed the movie a lot more than I thought I would. The the twist, the one twist that I could call, I I don't know if if I could catch it, it, it can't be that that good of a twist. But the other two I did not, that were crazy the ending scene the two ending scenes the one the aftermath Uh and then the so the the, when the whole thing went down and then the aftermath i thought were so well done and that is such a good job especially with the detective i did not expect to like the detective as much as i did and i've got some hot takes on him but that's that's very spoilery so i don't want to get into that um on show but i really enjoyed gary oldman um yeah. He he played such a good job. Ethan Russell, the son, did a really good job, and then Amy Adams yeah. doing her stuff was was fun. And then Wyatt Russell just acting like Captain America, so <laughs> yeah, His Gar- character in that one. Yeah, Gary
1: Gary Oldman plays the father of the family across yeah. the street, and he uh, and there is a scene where he confronts. I mean out of frustration yes. <laughs> confront her and once you see the story play out what he tells her you you understand what he was he, he comes off as meaning one thing when he when he when you first see it but then after you see the end of the movie it takes on a, a new meaning mm-hmm. so uh yeah I'd say it's a definite C. I'd I'd still say people watch it.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's on Netflix. I there are people free. that
1: will just absolutely. hmm Yeah, but um, it's definitely worth a watch. It's. Mm-hmm. It's well done. Like I said before, I found out some of the changes that they made for the movie, story wise. I would have probably given this about a B minus in that range. Okay. But it just, it knocked it down knowing what it could have been for me. So, on to the news. Um, we got our, well, our first off, next, next week, week, from from Netflix, from Netflix, Outside the Wire. Also Tyler,
0: Anthony Mackie uh, movie.
1: Is that all you want to say about it, or?
0: I mean, yeah, I could, I could give a, the IMDb synopsis. The synopsis. Yeah, outside the Wire. It was made this, came out this year. Um, we'll go to it. Uh, in the near future, a drone pilot sent into a war zone finds himself paired with a top-secret android officer on a mission to stop a nuclear attack. Of course, the android is played by Anthony Mackie. Uh, it's rated R. It's two hours long. And on IMDb, it's sitting at five and a half, five point four stars out of ten. So, it's got a good cast on. it. Michael Kelly's in it, Uh played Beechum. Anthony Mackie, of course. So, he's been in a lot of stuff. He needs to tone it down a little bit. All right. <laughs> Quit making money. Well, he's trying
1: to. <laughs> he's trying to stay in shape so that he doesn't have to get back in shape right. for Captain America. I and mean, it makes before.
0: sense. So. That's- <laughs>
1: On to our news. Um, The Eternals trailer premiered Mm -hmm. and it tallied 77 million global views in its first 24 hours. So, Tyler, this is one that um, I'm ashamed to say I missed.
0: I just. So, you're not missing a lot. (laughs) And I'm very. And I say this about a lot of these characters and movies. I said this about Guardians of the Galaxy. So take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. I don't think this is going to be a a big hit for Marvel. And just because these characters in the trailer just didn't look... Like, I don't even know who the villain is of this movie. And this comes out in November. And they had a little, at the end of the scene, they had a little... um, a situation with the Eternals they're all a big ancient family and you know they're all sitting there eating and one of the guys says you know with Captain America and Iron Man gone can I leave the Avengers and they all kind of look around for two seconds and they all start bursting out into life and boom it's the end of it I'm just like I mean it takes pace in the past the present and in the future so I don't really uh, it's I don't I'm not excited about this one I'm just going to put that there but I said all the exact same things about Guardians of the Galaxy, and look how great that show, that movie is. And I was never more proud to be wrong. So,
1: right. So now, one thing about the deadline article for this, um, written by Anthony De Alessandro, we've gotten to this point with with pop culture, and entertainment now where we're counting the online views of trailers Mm -hmm. so this one brought in 77 million global views in its first 24 hours uh it says that's the biggest online trailer drop for a disney marvel movie in 14 in the 14 months of the pandemic um it bested the initial 24 hour traffic for disney's cruella trailer which drew 71 million and Disney's Disney Plus's WandaVision, which was released following its airing on last September's primetime Emmys. Um uh, the twenty-four hour trailer traffic also beats numbers for pre-pandemic theatrical releases. Maleficent Mistress of Evil at sixty-one point seven million, and the Will Smith Guy Ritchie hit Aladdin at sixty point eight. It does mention the trailer drop for Falcon and Winter Soldier racked up 125 million views following its airing on the Super Bowl. So it's still untouchable.
0: That also includes your Super Bowl numbers for broadcast.
1: That's true. Um, I'm kind of like you, though. This talk of this movie hasn't quite grabbed me yet. I do think Kit Harrington mm-hmm. as the Black Knight is is something that's going to be exciting going forward. Well, he's I'm he's just back not with sure how his, the others are going to. His
0: brother from uh, uh, Game of Thrones as well. What's his name? Uh, mm-hmm. Richard, Richard Matt? No, that's not his name. I forget which one I'm talking about. I know it was Rob uh, Baratheon, not Rob Baratheon. Uh, Rob Stark. And I'm going to find it. I'm going to get there. I uh, got Richard Madden, God, I am so on it today with my name. I'm killing it um, so it's good to see them you just together. so unsure of yourself I know. though it's it's a bit ongoing issue, but yeah i don't I'm just it's, I'm curious about this movie is i just i hope it does well. I don't know if it will.
1: I think it'll do well enough, and I think it'll do a good job of setting the Black Knight up going forward um but beyond that. Maybe it doesn't do anything. Yeah. You know. See. Oh. Uh, we shall see. Next up from Nerdist.com. Have heard of them. Mm-hmm. Byline belongs to Michael Walsh. A very strange Scooby Doo reunion special is coming to the CW. Mystery Inc. is getting back together. This time, the beloved group of crime solvers and their very hungry dog are revving up, let's face it, he had the munchies. Yeah, he They're, They're revving up high. the van for a very different <laughs> kind of project. Yeah, they were. They're heading to Warner Brothers Studios for the Scooby-Doo reunion special. The group will look back at more than five decades of chasing ghost monsters and the old men wearing scary masks. And in the process, they'll end up with at least one more case to solve. Uh, this comes among... This, this comes... With CW's announcement of a whole new slate of shows and specials, the strangest of them all might be the network's plans to reunite Mystery Inc. with this mockumentary special. Um, so it looks like they're going to have them all around trading old stories.
0: Mm-hmm. And then solving a story. And then and
1: they, they, they have to deal... <laughs> yeah. I, I mean...
0: What a weird look, I grew up it. on Scooby-Doo,
1: right? It's almost like they're they're riffing on the Fresh Prince and Friends reunion It's right. like they're all going to sit around and talk, and, and then this might be the most entertaining of the three, though. You never know. <laughs> right. Um, are you looking forward to this one?
0: I'll watch it. Am I Is looking forward to it? No. Look... <laughs> it's... It's weird. It,
1: it's definitely going to be a... It's definitely going to be a good one, though, for the whole family. Um. I do need to check. Did they... I don't remember seeing a uh, A release date.
0: Uh, They haven't given one yet.
1: They don't have one yet. Mm-hmm. Expected to air later in 2021. So maybe they'll drop it in October. Oh, so much That'd fun. be perfect, right, for Halloween. And uh, Timothy Chalamet will play young Willy Wonka in an upcoming prequel movie. This is going to come to us from Deadline.com and the byline, Justin Kroll. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is ready to head to a world of pure imagination as the Oscar-nominated actor is set to star as the iconic inventor and chocolate maker in Warner Brothers and the Roald Dahl story company's Wonka, based on characters created by Roald Dahl. It will focus on a young Willy Wonka and his adventures prior to opening the world's most famous chocolate factory. Sources also tell Deadline that Wonka will mark the first time Chalamet gets to show off his singing and dancing skills with several musical numbers set to appear in the film. He's been the top choice for some time, but scheduling was a hurdle that had to be overcome. His training for those numbers is included in the prep for this film. Um, Paul King is set to direct from the screenplay he wrote with Simon Farnaby with prior writers. That's a lot of names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, David Heyman, Luke Kelly are producing with Michael Siegel and Alexandra Derbyshire executive producing. This is going to be the third Wonka film, of course. The first one was 1971's Willy Wonka um, with Gene Wilder and then 2005's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp. So, I don't know, this... I'm glad it's not a remake I'm glad it's something different mm-hmm. um we've never gotten this in film form before um, so it, at least it's it's something new. you know the first two films basically told the same story with right. some some slight variations, so I don't know i'll I'll definitely be interested in checking it out um are you gonna? Is this one you're gonna to want to see, or?
0: Mm, no. It's. I'm just gonna be honest. No. I. I like Willy Wonka. Not. Not
1: a big Wonka person.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like it. I just don't. That story is not going to want me. It doesn't make me want to watch it. I just don't. Right want about it. So, I'll catch it on the third iteration of it. <laughs>
1: Whoa. Well. Here's something that's really interesting. If if Wonka doesn't do it for you, from Variety.com, Brent Lang and Todd Spangler, Amazon buys MGM, studio behind James Bond for $8.45 billion. And this page keeps getting reloaded, I assume, because of advertisements. Yes. Um... So I'm trying to get to the good stuff here. It says Amazon will help preserve MGM's heritage and catalog of films and provide customers it's reloaded again. Uh is yours reloading this much?
0: I've got it it's pulled up still.
1: Um Yeah, mine's just constantly reloading. I have time to read like two sentences and then it reloads. Then? Yeah.
0: Okay. MGM, founded in 1924, complements Amazon Studios, which is primarily focused on producing TV programming, the company said. Amazon will help preserve MGM's heritage and catalog of films and provide customers with greater access to these existing works, the companies added. For Amazon, snapping up MGM, which has more than 4,000 movies and 17,000 TV shows in its catalog, is a way to supercharge its prime video service with a slew of well-known entertainment titles. In addition, Amazon is part- anticipating being able to mine Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer properties like the Pink Panther, Rocky, and yes, the 007 franchises for new originals. Uh, I think they just did this so Disney wouldn't. Probably. And that's yeah. that, That's what I took out of that.
1: <laughs> that's, that's what it seems like. But it's a smart move for them. Right. Um. It's... It's good for Disney in a way too because if they keep buying stuff they're going to come under that law of monopolies mm-hmm. and well and if you don't have competition
0: then what's the point?
1: Right. Right. All right. Thanks for stepping in there Tyler. No worries. <laughs> so the next story is from Variety. Sam Raimi Good old Sam. Mm-hmm. This is one of Tyler's favorite stories. <laughs> He's this comes from Variety's Rebecca Rubin. Variety's gonna do this to me all the time. And Evil Dead sequel, Evil Dead Rise, coming to HBO Max. I think you may have to take this one too. Okay. It's constantly we'll, reloading. We'll stay
0: away from Variety then, because the way that they run their ads, it's, it's bad on my computer. I can only imagine it's like on your phone. Uh, Rebecca Rubin puts on here, 40 years after the release of Evil Dead, the supernatural horror trilogy created by Sam Raimi is rising from the ashes. A new installment titled Evil Dead Rise is in the works at New Line Cinema. Unlike its predecessors, Evil Dead Rise will get the streaming treatment with a launch on HBO Max set for the US. Meanwhile, in the UK, the movie will get a theatrical release via Studio Canal and in France through Metropolitan. Rami created the series and directed the original film 1981's The Evil Dead and its two sequels, 1987's Evil Dead 2 and 1993's Army of the Darkness at New Line. He won't be returning behind the camera to direct but he will serve as an EP with Bruce Campbell who starred as the series protagonist Ash Williams. Campbell won't appear on screen in the upcoming entry. Evil Dead veteran Robert Tapert is also returning to produce the next chapter in the seminal horror series. Uh, I have not watched these movies. Yeah. Your well, list keeps getting longer, Chris. I very believe. entertaining.
1: <laughs> they're very entertaining.
0: Are you excited about this? All right. I am. Good. Yeah.
1: It'd be good if Bruce Campbell was in front of the camera at yeah. least for a little bit. But yeah. Uh, you know, at least he has a say so in it. at some point Yeah. Yeah, he's involved, so that's that's a plus. Next up, hey, this one comes from IGN, so I shouldn't have any issues. Yeah, you won't have any issues with
0: it. <laughs> get your
1: get your stuff together, Variety. All right, from IGN and Cat Bailey. Aaron Taylor Johnson will play Craven the Hunter in Sony's Spider-Man spinoff. Um, mm. So this is set to come out January 2023. And there's not a whole lot to really say about it. Other, he's other he's than been cast as now. Craven. Yeah.
0: And this, a lot of people are doing the funny meme because, of course, he is Quicksilver in the MCU. And right. a lot of people were saying, oh, you didn't see this coming. And then had the picture of him as Craven. I thought it was very funny how they did that. But this lets me know that Sony is setting up the Sinister Six. We've got Morbius, we've got Venom now, we've got um, potentially Falcon from the MCU, because we see him in the, in the Morbius trailer, and then now Aaron Johnson, Aaron Taylor-Johnson is Craven. We're starting to set up a Sinister Six here. What does that mean going forward with our Spider-Man? I don't know, but...
1: Well, that's what I thought when I saw this, is wait a minute, it- Marvel does not double cast people. You know, if you're if you're cast to play a particular character, that's your character. And uh he's Quicksilver. Yeah. So, it, it are also they going to acknowledge know, this casting. See,
0: I see I don't know what they're doing. Like that, that's why I want to see Morbius so bad because I want to see what is Michael Keaton and his or assuming his Falcon character. My Falcon vulture character, it's vulture. Yeah, I said that earlier. Uh, the Falcon, anyways. With with his vulture character, is he actually from the MCU, or is it just a Michael Keaton? Because what this lets me know too, though, is like, I, we have to see that movie to see what what is going on. Um, but if it if it's what it is now, that lets me know that Craven is not going to be in the MCU because Sony owns the right to the character. If because I just. Uh, same thing with Venom Venom's not going to be in the MCU
1: now I almost feel like that's exactly what it is That um, you know because they had to strike another deal Mm -hmm. to keep Spider-Man in the MCU and I wonder if it was look you go make your movies about these characters we're not going to ask for the rights to them back right now do your thing with them make your money we need Spider-Man from what we've heard Marvel now has at least an agreement to be able to use if not the rights back to Dr. Octopus right mm-hmm. he's going to be in there um, I'm so, excited so I wonder if they just took a couple of those I wonder if they just took a couple of those characters and said we need these back I don't know I, I just wish they'd put it to bed Mm-hmm. Buy the rights. There's plenty of money here. Just at Disney, buy Sony right? at this
0: point. <laughs> buy Sony Pictures. Something. <laughs> I
1: just tell Sony, look, if you won't sell us the rights to our own characters back, then we're going to buy you. Yeah. Why not?
0: That plays like, into our Hey, next you see story. what
1: happened to Fox? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> don't be the next Fox. So.
1: <laughs> not at all. Well, I don't know. I mean. Next story Sony CEO confirms Sony Pictures is not for sale. Mm -hmm. That means he lied (laughs) because everything in Hollywood has a price. Right. Um, So this comes from The Hollywood Reporter by Patrick Brzeski. I don't know if I'm I'm supposed to pronounce it that way, but Sony Pictures Not For Sale says CEO Yoshida. Okay, something's going on here
0: because nice my too?
1: phone just shut the entire browser off oh that's
0: nice
1: no it just it completely kicked it completely kicked me out i don't know what's going on with my phone someone has hacked my phone no, <laughs> <laughs> no one would hack me i'm not that i'm not that interesting um okay it's letting me load in here oh yeah, something's glitchy with this, because it's just not letting me do anything. That sucks.
0: You want me on this one? Can
1: Yeah, can you take okay. this one and the deadline, and I'll just do the other post in between.
0: Okay. So, uh, so, Sony Pictures is not for sale, nor will it be spun off as a standalone company anytime soon, says Sony Group uh, CEO Yoshida Kinichiro. The rapid consolidation seen across the screen sector, such as Amazon's 8.45 billion acquisition of MGM, we just talked about that, and WarnerMedia's high-profile merger with Discovery last week, has fueled industry speculation about Sony Pictures' future. And the company's strategic decision to set, act as a content supplier to establish streamers rather than launching a flagship direct-to-consumer service of its own has made it something as an outlier in the streaming era. Meanwhile, the high price tag. Amazon paid for MGM, which is a significantly smaller operation than Sony Pictures, underscored the enormous value Sony Group could potentially command for its film and television operations should it be open to parting with them. Uh, everyone's got a price, like you were saying. Yeah. So
1: He's not going to come out and say, yeah, we'd sell for the right. Right. <laughs> if he denies that it's for sale, he gets a higher price. Yeah. So... Not saying that they will sell, but you it's know, there's too strategy. much of it going on right now and if they Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it eventually happens. I, I think it just gets pulled in. I think you're gonna end up with maybe three major film companies and then they'll have all these subdivisions of the ones that they bought. Disney. Disney.
0: Netflix. And Amazon. Amazon. yeah. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Just <laughs> just one of them go ahead and buy Hulu for me so I can just bundle it all in and we'll just take care of that. Well Disney has Hulu. Oh, that's right. Well I need them to, to consolidate their prices a little bit more. I'm paying way too much right now. <laughs> Between ESPN plus Hulu and Disney Plus. Just consolidate them all into one, please. That'd be great.
1: Right. All right, hey, here's one that I can talk about because there's no story link. <laughs> Netflix post tweet showing 72 million households watched Army of the Dead, making it the number one film around the world and is projected to be one of Netflix's most popular films in its first four weeks. Um, good forum.
0: Are we surprised?
1: Even... No. no. I mean, I think going into it, when when you have the names Zack Snyder and Dave Batista, yeah, on the project, you're you're gonna get a number like that. Well, and now, I know a lot of people it, watched
0: it because of Dave Batista. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's. He. Was it this film? I think it was this one that he chose to make and passed up, the Fast and Furious role
0: uh i um, i know he passed, no I he, he was. was he was pitching for uh gears of war
1: right but he he had another movie that he was in talks for but he chose to make this one instead they i can't remember what was It might have been fast anyway anyway good choice yeah um because this one this one hit so
0: yeah and let me tell you Chris about another movie that hit. Brings us to our next news story which has a link oh. so I will go for this one. Robbie Amell and Stephen Amell are expanding the Code 8 universe. We're going to deadline.com by Amanda and Nundaka for the and, and Duca for this one. Uh, Robbie Amell and Stephen Amell are expanding the universe. The Code 8 universe. After spearheading the crowdfunded original film, the Cousins are set to reprise their roles in the sci-fi sequel, Code 8 Part 2. Jeff Chan is also returning to direct. I am also one of the ones that contributed money for it. Uh, Chan also penned the screenplay with Chris Parre, who wrote Code 8, as well as Sharon Lee and Jesse LaFercombe. That's some hard names today. Uh, the plot centers on the 4% of people living in fictional Lincoln City who possess special abilities, and are often confronted by advanced, militarized police technology. It's a sci-fi fantasy about the extraordinary power that we as individuals hold versus the technological superiority of the institution that we live within. Did you ever watch the Code Not, No. We, of course, in this household, we are big ML fans. And right. whatever any one of the ML cousins are in, we're going to watch. And we enjoyed it. You could tell it was lower budgeted than other things. But it was good. And we said at the time, they set it up where it could easily have spinoffs or sequels. And I am super glad it's getting a sequel. And they both are back in it. And I'm so here for it.
1: So, so what, uh, what service is that on? Where can I watch it? Uh,
0: I think we had to buy it through Amazon. Where okay. can I watch Code Eight? Of course, no. Oh, is it on Netflix? I know it's shown up on part even video. better. Let me. Yeah. Oh, it's on Netflix. That's where we watched it. So there there you go. we go. Watch it for you on Netflix, everybody.
1: Perfect. All right, let me get let me get back in here because these don't have links. Seth Rogen is making a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and it premieres in theaters August 11th of 2023. Because um, we need more. That's all we know. <laughs> I'm a ass- I'm assuming live action.
0: Yeah, it's live action. I'm
1: assuming live action. So. I don't know. I have I have a soft spot for the original live action, back in like nineteen eighty. Yeah, you would be a secret 90, of the
0: U's kind of guy. <laughs> That's you yeah.
1: just because I'm old, really. It's uh, also Thor: Love and Thunder has officially wrapped filming, so let's pull up the fun stuff here, which is. Chris Hemsworth had an uh, Instagram post here where he said, that's a wrap on Thor Love and Thunder. It's also National Don't Flex Day, so I thought this super relaxed photo was appropriate. The film's going to be batshit crazy off the wall funny. It might also pull a heartstring or two. Lots of love, lots of thunder. Thank you to all the cast and crew who made this another incredible Marvel journey. Buckle in, get ready. And CN
0: Cinemas. I can't stand him. I cannot stand him in this photo he took. Oh, it's national, you know, no flex day. Dude's arm is the size of my head. And like not even flexing. I I can't stand him. Like at all. Oh. Right. <laughs> all
1: right, let's see. Gets back in here. I think my problem here may be that I haven't restarted my phone in a minute. So could be. Um, finally, a quiet, quiet place. Too roared past Godzilla vs Kong for the biggest pandemic opening weekend at the U.S. box office, with 57 million dollars for A Quiet Place, and Godzilla vs Kong had 31.6 million. Yeah,
0: I've never seen the first one. Good
1: for it. I heard, I've heard really good things. Yeah. about both.
0: And it's to the point that I want to watch these two. I know, and I've and I hear they're they're pretty horrifying. But I, they're not demons or anything. So I am. It's not ghost or demons. So I'm good.
1: okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, releases this week. This goes back to the end of may Mm -hmm. up through june 11th uh the conjuring the devil made me do it june 4th and in the heights at the cinema on june the 11th you can also watch the conjuring on hbo max Mm -hmm.
0: Um, so i may have to do that yeah that's uh my oldest daughter and my wife are watching it tonight i will be on the opposite side of the house with a fan going and a uh, the community uh, playing on the TV and a so. uh, and a cute little Annabelle doll. sitting Yeah, right of here. course. Yeah, no. <laughs> Maybe a crucifix or five around the bed. So <laughs> our next and last topic. Uh, what was? It? Do what?
1: I was going to say, what was it? The Exorcist, where the crucifix on the wall turned upside down. Uh, right,
0: I so. assume that's right, because I will never watch that movie. Uh, Our next and last topic is video games. Chris, what have you been playing the past two weeks?
1: I I dipped into Valhalla just a little bit um, when I had some time, but uh, it's been mainly the show, man. It's been – I I finished the second inning program like a week early, but then they dropped Season 2 Team Affinity. Of course so i've been on the grind for that now the mm-hmm. third inning program has dropped so i've been on the grind for the third inning program but i'm planning to knock them both out really early and then just play a little daily yeah and play chunks of valhalla
0: we've got so video game wise it, these next 2 weeks are going to be huge and our news reports and everything else is going to be crazy off the wall. And we still need to sit down and figure out how we're going to do that for the podcast on how we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been playing Destiny. The, the newest raid dropped a couple weeks ago. And I got through it and I bought my jacket because Bungie that makes Destiny does this amazing thing that you can only buy certain things unless you want to spend $99,000 on it. So right. you have to do something in-game, and they give you a code, which makes it an affordable price. Like, the, the jack is like 120 bucks or something like that, and it's personalized, And which is what I got, which is the reason I wanted to beat the raid the first before the first reset. So I did that, but, I mean, that's that's honestly all I've played. It's been real busy here uh, with work, and I've got to figure something mm. out because sitting here in the same spot that I sit at work and then wanting to play games afterwards just – my body doesn't want to sit here any longer, and I right. need to figure something out. But figuring something out, I've got absolutely no news links, so we're just going straight through all of this stuff. Um, we got seven different news stories here. A lot of it's E3-related. Uh, the first one is Pokemon Reveals New Release Dates for its uh, New Upcoming Games. Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are coming out November 19th, 2021. And the new, looks like, RPG for Pokemon Legends Arceus will be coming out January 28th, 2022. A lot earlier than I was expecting when we were going to get that huge of a game. Uh, Battlefield 6 reveal is set for June 9th this week. Uh, PlayStation, your PlayStation Plus games for June are PlayStation 5 Operation Tango. The PlayStation 4, you get Star Wars Squadrons and Virtual Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown. Um, we also got another delay with God of War. And I'm going to their tweet right now from Santa Monica Studio. Don't blame a lot of theirs. Yeah, do, do not blame. I don't care who you are. Do not blame developers for anything. It's, it's a video game. This goes for movies as well. If anything gets pushed back. I, why, why yell at people and send death threats? It's absolutely ridiculous. But we're going to the Santa Monica studio uh, press post. Since the release of the next God of War teaser last year, we've been humbled by the amount of love our community has shown us. We're incredibly grateful to see so many people excited to experience the next chapter of Kratos and Atreus's journey. We remain focused on delivering a top quality game while maintaining the safety and well-being of our team, creative partners, and families. With this in mind, we've made the decision to shift our release window to 2022. Thank you all for your continued support. We've got some exciting things in the works that we cannot wait to share you or show you. So, a couple things. Uh, We all knew this was not happening in 2021. I am concerned, not really concerned. I'm skeptical if Horizon Forbidden West is going to come out in 2021. If not be a March or an April or February release for it uh, for Sony. Uh, this lets me know that it's not a little spin-off game like Miles Morales, like people were thinking this was going to be. Um, Because if you think about it, God of War came out in 2018. We are now three years post that. So, plenty of time to make a game and work on it. I'm, I'm assuming I'm not a game dev. I don't know you know, the, the scopes of these games. But I, I have a feeling that this game, if Horizon Forbidden West gets kicked back, which... To me, it's going to. That's going to be early next year. This will be the end of 2022's game release. It's to me. That's just what I see from reading that tweet. Um, Just in
1: time for the holiday season.
0: Yep. And what better? And a lot of people, a lot more people will have PlayStation Fives by then. They've already said it's going to be scarce Uh for 2021, but 2022 is going to be a bigger year. And I agree. Uh, let's get right to our E3 news here, Chris. Ubisoft's E3 showcase will be June 12th at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Again, all this is going to be in CST because that's where we are. Um, they put it on there. They say it will have Far Cry 6, Riders Republic, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and some surprises you don't want to miss. Uh, some is not a lot, which is, we'll see what they do. And then the big one that everyone, literally everyone's eyes is going to be on Xbox and Bethesda Showcase is set for June 13th for 90 minutes of games at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. This was a big thing because we did not know what Bethesda was going to do, if they're going to have their own showcase or if they're going to be with Xbox. Well, they're going to be with Xbox. And expect to see Starfield. Expect to see Halo. Um, that's going to be the biggest thing. Or, you know, Because that's coming out this year. And there's no way it's not coming out this year. Uh, so but we'll see. Know. It's Halo, not Starfield. Starfield's still way out there. Um, And then with that, Nintendo has set its E3 date and time as well on June 15th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. And this is interesting to me. With 40 minutes of info focused on Nintendo Switch software, mostly releasing in 2021, put a pin in that. Followed by around three hours of gameplay in its Nintendo Treehouse Live. Which is they usually have a treehouse live. It's not that long, usually not that long. So yeah. we got a lot of games coming out. Now, the reason I I'm saying, keep your eyes on this one. Nintendo Nintendo Switch Pro, their their newest and upgraded console is rumored and has been shared around and things like that that's coming out soon. And people are even saying this year. Now, this is that's a direct quote from Nintendo. 40 minutes of info focused on Nintendo Switch software, mostly releasing in 2021. I have We are getting the Nintendo Switch Pro or whatever it's going to be called. I particularly like the Super Nintendo Switch. I'm kind of particular. I like that one a lot better than Switch Pro. Um, but with three hours of gameplay, they did it for the Switch. They had a long gameplay with uh, uh, Legend of Zelda with its Breath of the Wild. So I have a feeling... We're gonna see Breath of the Wild 2. We're gonna see uh, uh, the Pokemon Arceus, and some surprise others maybe. But that's what that tells me. That's a long, 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 long time (laughs) for a conference for Nintendo. So it is. But I'm excited. E3 is upon us again. We don't know what our coverage is going to look like for it. I'm going to be reacting a whole lot on Twitter. So be ready for that. Uh, The Xbox and Bethesda. Showcase will have already have happened before our next uh, recording, so we'll still have that. And we'll have that one and Ubisoft, I believe. Uh, we won't have Nintendo or any of the other companies. But it's going to be exciting. E3 is a national holiday for me. I haven't taken off work because I can watch it while I'm working, so I'm not going to use my PTO for that. Don't tell – chat, be cool. And commenters, do not tell my job I'm going to be watching this. Um. So, new releases coming out these past two weeks. Chivalry 2 comes out June 8th. The Elder Scrolls Online version for PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X on June 8th. And then the Elder, Elder Scrolls Online Blackwood DLC, their new big expansion, comes out June 8th as well. Final Fantasy 7 Remake Intergrade for PlayStation 5 comes out June 10th. And the big one, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Comes out June eleventh on the PlayStation Five. My pre-order is in. It's coming in day one, and it's gonna be a good weekend. That's what I'm gonna say. So, but I'm late. looking forward to Far Cry Six. Are you really? Did you watch the the new trailers or stuff? I didn't know were you were. I didn't know you were into Far Cry.
1: I played a little bit of Five.
0: Oh, mm. um, I, I loved Five because of Greg beardick
1: Yeah, the but, father. I'm just really—I don't know. I started to order the game, and then I thought, well, let me wait till closer to time. Yeah, but yeah.
0: I mean, it's 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 good. it's, it's, it's time wanna, for our games to start coming out in E3. I'm hoping we get some shadow drops on E3. Those are always my favorite things when they say when they show off a big hit game. And then they go, it's also available right now. And I'm like, oh my God. You know, it's just, I love when they do it. They don't do it often, but sometimes they do. And I really wish they will. Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, that has been your super nerd-wide episode. Episode 28, covering two weeks of huge stories. Uh, next time you see us, there's going to be a lot of gaming news, a lot of things to talk about in gaming. The new Loki episode, our... Um, Our movie review for, let me get to it, The Outside the Wire and a new episode of Superman and Lois and however many other series I watch within this week. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you enjoy what you saw or heard, make sure you subscribe to us on whatever podcasting service. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. If you really liked it, give us a thumbs up. And also rate and review us if you liked us on your podcasting service. If you want to go the extra mile, we always do have the patreon.com slash nerdwide. Where we have three different tiers. You can toss us a couple bucks our way. And guys, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow the nerdwide account at nerd underscore wide. You can follow me at Ty underscore Haynes. And you can follow Chris at mavtn 7 But guys, this has been episode 28 of the NerdWide Podcast, the super episode. And we cannot wait to come to you next week with some more E3 news and some fun reviews for you. Everyone be safe and enjoy your week.